whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, may our hearts be prepared to receive this week's message, Part 4, Better, Attitudes, Positivity, by Tracy Walker. Morning, family. It is so good to be with you, as always. Um... Before I get started on the message, I, I wanted to tell you a little bit about it. It was a very, very good week at Ocoee Oaks. Um, Monday, the, the big pile of food that we had here, remember that big pile of food? That filled up a van, one of our, one of our school vans, and that was taken to the Christian Services Center. And so um, you, you should feel great about the contributions and, and where that will go and who that will help. It, that was an amazing thing. Then on Tuesday, a little little behind the scenes, um, Tuesday is Shro- was Shrove Tuesday, also known as Mardi Gras, but also known as Pancake Tuesday. Has anyone ever heard it referred to as Pancake Tuesday? See, in the UK, that's, that's their thing. On the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday, they eat pancakes. Now, I love me some pancakes. And so churches that I've served in the past um, have often had pancake suppers on Tuesday before Ash Wednesday. And there's a, there's a lot of meaning behind that, and, and um, there's, there's a lesson to be learned from that. And I'll, I'll save that for another time. But I decided, you know what, I'm going to pass on that tradition. So Tuesday morning, we fed the preschool staff pancakes and we told them why we were doing that. And then that afternoon, the after, the after school program, we fed them pancakes too, without syrup. Let me emphasize, there was no syrup involved because I have to be part of the cleaning crew and there was no way we were doing syrup. But we also, we also used that time to teach them about what, what Shrove Tuesday, Pancake Tuesday, the meaning behind that. And then we were able to follow that up on Wednesday. And I am so grateful to, to Pam, to Pastor Pam, um, for, for her helping out. We, we did ashes for somewhere between 50 and 60 people on Wednesday. And we got to, we got to pray with them and, 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 um, and apply the ashes. And we talked about it with, again, the after-school kids and we got to teach them about the importance of Ash Wednesday. And I tell you all of that to tell you that we have this wonderful ministry going on in the building. I know you're aware of it, but I'm becoming, well, I'm, I have to be immersed in it. And that after-school program is touching so many young people's lives. And that's part of, of Ocoee Oaks. It's an important part of Ocoee Oaks. And we're doing great things with those, with those kids. And Summer camp is coming, and I'm scared <laughs> because I, I haven't experienced it. I've only heard about it. I don't know if they're trying to prepare me or scare me, but it's, it's, both, of it is, yeah, both of it is working. So, so it was a very good week at Ocoee Oaks, and we are touching lives, and, and I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Amen? 
So let's pray. Father God, thank you for our worship service today and for the message we are about to hear. May these words bring you glory and bless your holy name. We pray that we will hear the good news of this message with open hearts and live lives that glorify you more and more each day. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're concluding our series, Better. Um, this has been a four-part series, and we've, we've used this series to continue our focus on the fruit of the Spirit. And what we've done is we've considered how improving certain parts of our lives, certain critical parts of our lives, and making them better can cause those individual fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, those fruits of the Spirit. These can flourish when we concentrate on some of these, these aspects of our lives, and in turn, that helps us grow closer to God and closer to each other. Now, in part one, you might remember that, that we looked at priorities, setting, doing a better job of managing our priorities, and we watched a video that talked about a, a professor, a college professor, that, that used an illustration to show um, how we have limited resources. He, he used an empty jar, several rocks, a few pebbles, and some sand. And what he did was he... He took this empty jar, and he started to, to add rocks. And then he, he put in as many rocks as he could. And then he put in pebbles, and he fit in as many pebbles. And then he took the sand, and he filled in all the remaining empty space with the sand. The rocks represented the important things in life, things that we absolutely have to do. Then we have the pebbles that are still important to us, but, but not necessarily critical. And finally, the sand is everything else that you want to do. And then in the end, if you've done everything right, you should have no rocks remaining. You might have a few pebbles left, and there might even be a little bit of sand left over. And the message here is that if you want to draw closer to God and become more like Christ, you have to give God priority. If you want your life to reflect, living out the charge to love God and love people, you have to give God priority. And you don't let the big rocks, those most important things, like God, sit outside the jar as you fill it with sand and pebbles. In part two, we talked about making better decisions. We looked at the story of Ruth from the Old Testament, and in that story... Three people faced with similar circumstances made very different decisions. And every day we're all faced with making decisions. Some of them are small, some of them are major, even life-changing. And we often make many of our decisions as if we're sort of on autopilot. We, we don't even consider the ripple effect that those decisions might have on others. Ruth's faith and commitment led her to make a choice that resulted not only in a life full of blessings, but a life that ultimately impacted the world. We see in Ruth's story that better decisions are made when we prioritize faith over comfort and convenience, loyalty over self-interest, 
and God's will over our own desire. And last week, we talked about having better attitudes through humility. Scripture teaches us that humility is the cornerstone of wisdom and spiritual growth. It's not a passive trait, it's an active choice, a deliberate decision to remain grounded. As Christians, humility means keeping our eyes on Christ and exalting what he has done, while pride and arrogance has us keeping our eyes on ourselves and our own accomplishments. So this week, so I do all of that to to now tell you that this week, we're going to conclude our series by returning to that better attitudes theme, and we're going to talk about having a positive attitude. And it makes sense to end our series about being better with a message on positive thinking. Because if we do a better job of managing our priorities, of making better decisions, and of living humbly, guess what? It's much easier to have a positive attitude. Now, there's no shortage of self-help books, studies, and advice dedicated to having a positive attitude. In 1952, author and minister Norman Vincent Peale published perhaps the most well-known self-help book, at least by name. The book was called The Power of Positive Thinking. It was on the New York Times bestseller list for 186 weeks. 48 of those weeks, it was was in the number one nonfiction book. The book sold more than 5 million copies worldwide, 2.5 million of those just in the period from 1952 to 1956. And the book was eventually translated into over 40 languages. Now, we could spend a good bit of time examining Peel's views and suggestions, which actually were received with mixed reviews by the psychiatric and, and religious communities at the time. But my my real point here is to suggest that positive thinking has been a subject of interest for a very, very long time. And even today, this book, The Power of Positive Still Think, I'm sorry, The Positive of Power, The Positive, The Power, wow, phew, The Power of Positive Thinking is still referred to today. And in today's world, who isn't looking for ways to be more positive? We live in a culture of increasingly negative messages and attitudes. I don't know about you, but some days it's really difficult to find something positive in newspapers if you still read a a newspaper or in in our online news feeds. And then there are those stories that they start out positive and then they turn negative because of some evil act. It's no wonder that studies continue to show that the number of people, especially young people, the number suffering from depression and anxiety continues to increase. And I really hate to bring it up, but we might as well face it. An election year in a highly polarized political environment isn't going to help. So, if you walked in here this morning, even though it's gray and rainy outside, and you were feeling pretty good and happy to be in worship, being together with your church family, I'm really sorry if I'm bringing, you, bringing the house down. 
but let's see what we can do to, to maybe bring it back to a better place. There are two kinds of people in this world. Well, maybe three. When it comes to positive attitudes, there are optimists, there are pessimists, and there are those who call themselves realists. And when I think of each type of person, I, I can't help but think of the characters from Winnie the Pooh. I know, kind of an odd place to go, right? But, think, but, but stay with me. There is probably no greater role model for the optimist than Tigger. He's fun-loving, he's high-spirited, he sees everything in a positive light. But at the other end of the continuum, we have who? Eeyore. Poor Eeyore who walks around with a dark cloud hanging over him, that slow, monotone vo voice. Eeyore is a striking contrast to, the, to most of the other Pooh characters, especially Tigger. And most of the characters are happy and curious, but Eeyore seems to be perpetually glum. In fact, if you look at a map of the 100-acre wood, you'll find that Eeyore lives in his gloomy place that is rather boggy and sad. We all know optimists and pessimists, and we know people who consider themselves realists, those who try to see the world in a balanced view, not too high, not too low. But where do you fall? Is your glass half full or is your glass half empty? And we're all prone to times of pessimism. As I said earlier, when you're surrounded by a constant barrage of negative news, you, you sometimes can't help but see the glass is half empty. When the worst-case scenario becomes our expectation and we tell ourselves it's no use, we're setting ourselves up for failure. And here's the thing. Negative thinking turns into negative action. If you're constantly thinking negative thoughts, your behavior is going to be negative. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If, if I believe I'm going to fail, then I probably am. Over time, neg negative thinking and pessimism prevents us from even trying, which ultimately robs us of the opportunity, of the opportunity to succeed. If I constantly look at the glass as being half empty, then I'll never appreciate that it really is, in fact, half full. In our scripture this morning, Paul talks about positive thinking, and we're going to look at that a little closer here in a minute. But in the verses just before those we read, he speaks to the risk of being anxious. Negative thoughts can be very sneaky. Maybe we're, thinking, maybe we're making a really, really good decision. It's, it's exactly the right decision to be made, yet we allow anxiety to set in. Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Anxious thoughts 
are negative thoughts. Anxiety causes us to be restless, worried, and obsessed. And if we're having anxious thoughts, they need to be replaced with calm thoughts. God will never leave me or forsake me. That's a calming thought. If God is for me, who can be against me? That's a positive thought. Be still and wait upon the Lord. That's a positive replacement for our anxious thoughts. And sometimes we might not even be aware that our our thoughts have gone negative and destructive. In Psalm 139, David asked God to tell him if his thoughts were negative. Verse 23 of Psalm 139 begins with, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This might be a prayer we can all benefit from when we're trying to clear away our negative thoughts and anxiety. And thinking positively doesn't just happen automatically. Like the other topics we've, we've talked about in this series, having better priorities, making better decisions, and being more humble, we have to choose positive thinking. It's an active trait, not a passive one. Having a positive mindset allows us to see clearly God's will for our lives. Positive thoughts turn into positive insight, which turns into positive action. Long before we had self-help books, Paul understood the power of positive thinking. In the passage we read this morning, he reminds the Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If we were really earnest in our, if we, were, if we earnestly follow Paul's instruction, we'd be able to counter every negative thought that ever enters our head. Everything we think of that is positive will fit into one of those categories. The power of positive thinking leads to the power of positive doing. Thinking about what is true can lead to doing what is true. Thinking about what is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy will motivate us to do the very things that fit into these categories. And the example and impact that we can have because we're positive thinkers and doers are immeasurable. That is the power of a positive attitude. But let's also remember that we're human and we're imperfect. And despite our best, best efforts, there are going to be times when negative thoughts slip through. It, it could be regret from the past or an angry thought toward a person in the heat of the moment. Anybody heard of road rage? These negative thoughts can come out of nowhere and they, and they distract us from our real focus. We might not be able to keep them from entering our minds, but we can keep them from renting renting space in our heads. 
when we decide we're not going to entertain the negative thought, we turn it over to Christ. Hebrews 3.1 says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. When we fix our thoughts on Jesus, we are focusing our thoughts on something positive. So whenever you find yourself struggling with negative thoughts, first, turn those thoughts over to Christ, and then turn your thoughts to Christ himself. Sometimes we just need a gentle reminder to get our attitudes right. The Apostle Peter wrote in his second epistle, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Do you hear a little frustration in there? This is the second time I'm reaching out to you to tell you you need to adjust that attitude. And Scripture is one source that can stimulate us to think positive. And take Peter. We read in the Gospels that his negative thoughts of fear caused him to deny knowing Jesus. And his negative thoughts of anger caused him to cut off a soldier's ear in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yet his faith and his dedication to Jesus returned his thoughts and actions to boldness and compassion. We receive reminders from all kinds of sources. It, it can come from Scripture or the Holy Spirit whispering to us. We can see positive or inspirational messages. The advent of memes. We see them all over social media. Sometimes those are the perfect reminder of getting our attitude right. Sometimes, many times... It can be the lyric of a song. Right, Wendy? Wendy's awesome. She can pick the right song. There are days I come in here and go, yeah, I needed that song. Because there might be a lyric in there that speaks directly to my heart and reminds me, get out of the negativity. Be positive. And sometimes we receive reminders from each other. Isn't it always good to run into a brother or sister who exudes a positive attitude? There are just those people that no matter, it's raining outside, it's ugly out there, and yet there are, there are people who are going to come into this place smiling, and those are the people we want to be around. Amen? Since the beginning of the year, we've tied all of our messages to the fruit of the Spirit and perhaps, perhaps, this has grown a bit tiresome, but if you've been using Pastor Don's exercise of reading those affirming statements about each of the fruits every day, we think, we hope, <clears throat> that you're experiencing new growth, renewed growth in your relationship with God. Positivity, like everything else we've talked about, ties closely to the fruit of the Spirit. When we have a positive attitude, people are drawn to us. We have the ability to love and be loved because our minds aren't cluttered with the negative thoughts. A positive attitude allows us to experience joy in every aspect of our lives. 
We see what's good and lovely in the world, and we pay less attention to the ugly and the negative. We find greater peace when we remove anxious thoughts from our minds and turn to Jesus when we need a calming presence. Our patience with the world and with others is strained when we're focused on the negative. A positive attitude opens us up to having compassion for others who might be struggling. Negativity breeds conflict. When we only see the downside, we are less kind and less likely to offer positive encouragement. Kindness, goodness, and gentleness give way to uncharitable words and actions. A positive attitude fosters kindness. Finally, our faithfulness in God only grows when we remain optimistic about what we cannot see. The pessimist will always point to what they see as evidence that all is lost. There it is. You see it? It's all is lost. The optimist can see the good around them even when it's obscured. And an optimist can see what is yet to come. This week we entered the season of Lent, and for the next 40 days, excluding Sundays, which I've never understood, but that's okay, we're called upon to pray, repent, and reflect on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lent's often seen as a time of giving things up. Maybe, maybe some of those things that we indulge in a little too much that take our focus away from, from Jesus. It's also seen as an opportunity to take on new spiritual disciplines or maybe go back to disciplines that maybe we've neglected for a little too long. Priorities, decisions, humility, and a positive attitude all play an important part in our journey through Lent. This is a time when the fruit of the Spirit can flourish as we grow closer to Christ and closer to one another. Amen.